good to see you this morning. Uh, just uh, by way of a quick announcement, we do have a baptism this morning. We're going to be doing that at the end of service today. And so make sure you don't uh, jump up at the end or altar call. And uh, we are looking forward to that. If you have your Bible uh, with you this morning, uh, and I hope that you do, I, I believe you ought to bring your Bible to church. And uh, so I will always remind you of that. Uh, we're in 2 Samuel, the 21st chapter, and that's um, uh, where we've been uh, wading through as we've been going through the book of 2 Samuel. And uh, two weeks ago when I was with you, we uh, looked at some difficult stuff. We looked at how uh, God had uh, corrected the nation of Israel because of Saul's action. And when we come to chapter 15, uh, 21, verse 15, uh, we are brought to a point... Um, it's not chronological, but at some point in David's kingship, he had to go back to war, and he had to fight more battles. And the title of the sermon this morning is, Our Battles Belong to the Lord. And what goes on here is David is facing some enemies that are bigger than him, that are stronger than him, that are uh, just, it's just a unique passage. And uh, this morning I say all of that because today... Uh, all of us have either been through battles, are fighting battles, or will face battles. Sometimes those battles are within ourselves as we struggle with our own sin. I always get a kick out of people who act like they don't struggle with sin. Uh, because what I want to say is, the Bible says that if you say you have no sin, you are a liar. And the truth of God is not in you. And so if you ever get to thinking you don't struggle with sin or you are not a sinner, you are lost. And so we all struggle with the battle of sin. Some of us struggle with the battle of emotions. We struggle with anxiety, fear, depression. Some of us are facing battles in our marriage where honestly it feels like a war zone every time our feet hit the floor. Maybe it's relationships with family, the people you work with. Battles are everywhere. You know, we can do many things when battle approaches us. We can run, we can bury our head in the sand, and act like it doesn't exist, or we can do what I believe the Bible teaches us to do, and that is to stand and put our faith and trust in the Lord. The Bible talks to us about the fact that we are in a spiritual warfare. But in the book of Deuteronomy, as the children of Israel were getting instruction for God, God told them some instructions about when they go to war. When they go out to battle, to remember these words. And if you would, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, if you would stand out of a reverence to the reading of God's word, I want to talk to you today about our battles belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 20, it starts in verse 1 and says, When you go out to battle against your enemies, doesn't say if, doesn't say might, it says when. It's going to happen. When you go out to battle your enemies and see horses and chariots and people more numerous than you, overwhelming odds, Overwhelming obstacles. Do not be, do not be afraid of them. For the Lord your God is with you. 
who brought you up from the land of Egypt. And so it shall be. Not so it might be. Not so it could be. So it shall be. When you are on the verge of battle, that the priest shall approach and speak to the people. And he shall say to them, Hear, O Israel, today you are on the verge of battle with your enemies. Do not let your heart faint. Do not be afraid. and Do not tremble. Or be terrified because of them. For the Lord your God is He who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to save you. Pray with me. Father, today I come humbly and honestly, Lord, asking for your mercy and grace and forgiveness. Lord, there is nothing good in me, nothing that I can bring to the table today that can help or add or accomplish anything, Lord. But I do believe in the power of your word, the power of your spirit at work. And so, Father, today I pray that there's nothing in my life that is hindering or quenching or grieving your spirit. And Lord, today I pray that you would let us be honest with you about our struggles, our insecurities, our failures. Lord, the battles that each and every one of us face. And Lord, that the hope that you can give us. Today, Lord, thank you for conquering the greatest enemy, the greatest battle, and that was sin and death, Lord, by your death, burial, and resurrection. And so, Father, if there's anyone here that's lost, that's trying to work their way to heaven, Lord, show them today that the only way that they can be saved is by repenting of their sins and putting their faith and trust in you. And, Lord, I'll give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory, and I ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And so if you're taking notes this morning, and we start in 2 Samuel chapter 21, first thing I want you to write down today is this. We can all grow weary during our battles. We can all grow weary during our battles. Look here in verse 15 with me of chapter 21. When the Philistines were at war again with Israel. This is multiple times. This is kind of like that problem that just won't go away. It's like that situation that just won't stop. It's like that person that just won't quit. David and his servants with him went down and fought against the Philistines and David grew faint. David grew weary. David grew weak. You say, but wait, we just read in Deuteronomy chapter 20 that do not let yourself grow faint. We can all grow weary during our battles. What we see here is that David is doing what God has asked him to do. He's fighting the battle that God has asked him to fight, but yet he still grows weary. Uh, David and the children of Israel were commanded to destroy the Philistines, to drive them out to defeat them at all costs. And you say, well, Jake, I'm trying to serve God. I'm trying to be a good husband. I'm trying to be a godly wife. I'm trying to be a Christian parent. I'm trying to be a faithful church member. I'm trying to be a dedicated witness at work. I'm trying to keep my temper under control when stupid people do stupid things. And I am just wore out. I am exhausted. I just don't think I have it in me. 
This battle that I've been fighting within myself over my fear and my anxiety and my depression and my sin, I'm just tired of it. Friends, you are not alone. You are not the only kid on the block with a problem. David was God's man for God's hour, and yet he still grew weary. And today you can stroll into church on a Sunday like you don't have any unforgiveness in your heart, like you don't have any problems with other people, like you and your wife are just as pleased as punch. But friends, look up here. God knows that you're weary. God knows that you've been struggling. Maybe you've been to the doctor and you've heard those dreaded words that no one wants to hear. It's incurable. It's uncorrectable. It's unfixable. You're unsavable. Maybe the world's told you that you're too broken, that you're too messed up, that things are too far gone. Galatians, the sixth chapter, gives us some encouraging words in verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. If you've been praying for that prodigal, but yet the prodigal hasn't come home, don't lose heart. If you've been trying to witness to your neighbor, to that person that, that hates the things of God, but yet you love them and care about them, don't grow weary. If you've tried to raise your kids, but they take after your spouse, and you're just ready to quit, don't give up. Don't grow weary being who God has asked you to be. You say, not me, Jake. I am super spiritual. I am super strong. I have got this figured out. Look up here. You are a dirty, rotten liar. Because we all go through seasons of being on the mountain. We all go through seasons of being in the valley. We all go through seasons of health. And we all go through seasons of sickness. We all go through seasons of blessing. And we all go through seasons of what appears to be drought. Isaiah chapter 28, chapter 40, excuse me, starting in verse 28, says it like this. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of earth, neither faints nor is weary. You might be exhausted. You might be ready to quit. You might not have the energy. You might not have the strength. But never forget, the Lord is not burdened. The Lord is not weary. The Lord is not weak. The Lord is not unable. The Lord has not got to a place where He has said, I cannot. Remember who you serve. Neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And this is where it's really good. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait to the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not 
faint. You see, it's Him in the battles of your life, in the battles in your spirit, in the battles in your heart. Remember that you are not the answer. You are not the hero of the story. You are not the answer to the problem. He is. And when you begin to be overwhelmed and you begin to feel like you are sinking in the ship, when you begin to feel that the storm is overtaking you, remember it is time to take your eyes off of yourself and your abilities and your understanding and turn it to Him. To put your faith and trust in Him. David grew weary. Second thing I want to show you from this text is that God will always send aid during our battles. But before I want to look at that, I want to remind you of something. The Bible is full of people who grew weary, who were discouraged. Think about it like this. When David wrote some of the Psalms, he was lonely and discouraged and afraid. Elijah ran to the backside of the desert and asked God, to kill him. Jonah was willing to be thrown overboard in the middle of a large body of water knowing that he would die. And then after God spared him and used him, he went under a tree and told God to kill him. Think about the Bible is full of people who grew weary, who struggled. And so if you're here today saying, Jake, I can't admit my brokenness. I can't admit my fear. I can't admit my sin. Friends, you are doing your own damage to yourself. But not only do we grow weary, God will always send aid during our battles. Look at verse 16 with me. Then Ishbi, Benob, who was one of the sons of the giant, the weight of whose bronze spear was 300 shekels, who was bearing a new sword, thought he could kill David. But Abishai, the son of Zariah, came to his aid and struck the Philistine and killed him. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, You shall go out no more with us to battle, lest you quench the lamp of Israel. Now what happened afterward that there was again, here it is again, a battle with the Philistines at Gob. Then Sebekai, the Hushitite, killed Saph, who was one of the sons of Giant. Again, there was war at Gob with the Philistines. It's kind of like an ingrown toenail. It just won't go away. Where Elahana, the son of Jar, Oregim, the Bethlehemite, the son of Jar, Orgum, the but killed the brother of Goliath, the Gittite, the shaft of whose spear was like a weaver's beam. What we see here is giant, giant, giant. And yet David didn't kill him. David, when he grew weary, when he grew faint, when he grew to a point where he could not fight himself, God sent others to his aid. Abishai killed one. Jerai Oregim killed another. And what we see here is when David was unable to fight himself, that God had the appointed people and the appointed provisions for the appointed time. Friends, I will say it until the day that you fire me, you 
need the Lord and you need other believers. You need a church family, not just to come and sit with and listen to me yell for an hour, but you need to sit in a small group where people can know you and pray for you and love you and encourage you and walk with you and be with you. And when life finally comes at you and the things of this world overtake you and the struggles of life overwhelm you, that God can send someone beside of you and say, I've been there before. I've been through this with it. And I can tell you that the Lord is faithful. Psalms, the 46th chapter, says it like this. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. What it means there by present help is not only is He there in the moment, but He is not absent. He is with you. Because many times, if we're honest, when things seem to fall apart and it feels like our prayers do not get above the ceiling, we feel that God has abandoned us, that God has left us. God, I've been praying for you to heal me of this. God, I've been praying for you to save my lost loved one. God, I've been praying for you to restore our marriage. God, I've been praying for you to change the heart of my child that's grown cold and hard. And you pray and you pray and you pray and you pray and you fast and you weep and you just get to the point sometimes where you think, is it never going to change? God, are you even listening? God, are you even here? And what the writer of Psalms says is a very present help in trouble. It's no accident. God says, I'm here in the midst of it. I'm here when it doesn't make sense. I'm here when no one else is here. I'm here when it feels like you are alone. Therefore, So when you can finally believe that, and you can finally understand that, and you can finally grasp that, therefore. Friends, if you don't grasp that, the therefore won't come. If you can't understand that, the blessing cannot follow. Therefore, we will not fear. The answer to fear is Him. The answer to doubt is Him. The answer is not me, it's not a television preacher, it's not your Sunday school class, it's Him. When the fear comes and the anxiety comes and the discouragement comes and the betrayal comes and the bad news comes, He is the answer. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of of the sea. God is with you. That's why in Galatians chapter 6 verse 2 the Bible tells us bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. God is able but many times God uses the fellow believers in the struggles that we have. All of us want a miracle. Right? We want to We want a Damascus kind of experience like Paul did on the road. Most most of us want a a moment like Elijah did where fire fell from heaven. And I believe God can do miracles. 
I believe that as Baptists, we have become frozen and chosen, and it is sickening how little we trust and believe that God can do. That's my honest opinion. If you don't like it, be a Presbyterian. I don't care. But friends, what I want you to know is most of the time, God will use someone else to meet your need. God will use someone else to listen to you when you've lost that loved one. Many times God will use someone making a funeral meal to help you get through the tough times. I wish it said, bear one another in the good times. I got enough baggage on my own to carry, let alone someone else's. Most of the times I got my own battles and burdens to carry, let alone someone else's. But friends, I believe that as Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. He set the example. You say, oh, Jack, I don't want to sit by that person. You know how much baggage they got? Yes, sit by them anyway. Oh, Jake, do you know what it's like to talk to that person? Do you know how much negativity and discouragement? you know what they're like? Yes, listen to them anyway. Why? Because you never know what they might be struggling with that God can use you to help them with. Third and final thing, you say, man, this is going to be short. Probably not. Don't get your hopes up. Last thing this morning in verses 20 through 22 is not only do we grow weary in our battles, and not only God will always send aid during our battles, but some battles are beyond our understanding but God has a plan. All of us look at some of our battles in our life and say, that makes sense, I understand that. But if you're honest, you have probably looked at some of the things in your own life and say, I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand what is going on. I don't understand how that person betrayed me. I don't understand how I got that diagnosis But look at verses 20 through 22, and I think this is interesting. Yet again, it's like, come on! Just whip them and get over it. Yet again, there was war at Gath, where there was a man of great stature who had six fingers on each hand and six toes on each foot. Twenty-four in number. And he was also born to the giant. So when he defied Israel, Jonathan, the son of Shemiah, David's brother, killed him. These four were born to the giant in Gath and fell by the hand of David and by the hand of his servant. You say, wait a second, Jake. I don't know if you know this, but I don't know a lot of people with six toes and six fingers on each hand and foot. And what I really like is the fact is that God didn't think we could count. Because not only does it say six on each hand and each foot, it says 24 in total. He wanted you to know it wasn't a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest, right? And there are so many different opinions on why this is put in there, and this is what I believe. And if you don't like it, that's all right. I believe because it makes no sense. <laughs> it doesn't, it, it's overwhelming. And we know that there are people in this part of the world that have this genetic defect, but I don't believe that stuff. I believe it is in there for a specific divine purpose. 
I believe when you read that, you stop and think, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that. And I believe it is because God wants you to know that you are going to face some battles that you're just going to sit and cry and have no understanding of why. How could my spouse do that to me? How could my children hurt me this way? How could this go on in our home? I don't understand it. I know the Bible says we'll be persecuted for our faith. But if you ever just woke up and thought, I sure didn't think you'd come from there. The Bible tells us that we will be betrayed and lied about, but you ever just looked at someone and thought, I never thought it would be you? There are things in my life that because of the way I eat and do not exercise, I know that the doctor's going to say, hey, Jake, you've got this. But there are some diagnoses that you just get and you don't even understand why. What do you mean I got lung cancer? I never smoked. What do you mean I've got a liver that's dying? I never drank. What do you mean I got heart issues? I ate like a bird. In those moments, it's why. 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, says it like this. But we have this treasure in earthly vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. You see, when God works in your life in one of those moments that you just have to sit and say, I don't understand, He gets all the glory. He gets all the credit. Someone asked me one time, why does God call so many awful scoundrels to be pastors? Not that they're awful scoundrels after they're saved because they ought to be holy like God is holy, but before. I think it's because when people look at that and they say, there ain't no way that happened on its own. God did that. And today I want you to know that if that's how you feel, that you've been through so many muddy places that it's all over you. Where you've been through so many valleys that you feel like there is no sun. Or you're overwhelmed in your sin so much that you don't think there's any way to be clean. Look up here. He can do it all. And He can do it all because He wants the glory. Psalm 91 has become one of my favorite psalms to read. And I might just read the whole chapter to you this morning. I haven't decided yet. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. That means, one, you've got to know the Almighty. That means you've got to be willing to get close to the Almighty. You've got to be willing to spend time with the Almighty. You've got to draw near to Him as a small child draws near to someone on their lap. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the share of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield 
and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that walks in the darkness, nor the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place. Now don't, 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 don't quit on me now, all right? I stuttered so you'd listen. No evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague Come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I want to just give you a few examples and I'll be done. Job just kept on believing when everything fell apart. Noah just kept on building when they mocked him. David just kept on singing even when he didn't feel like it. Moses just kept on leading when the children of Israel built the golden calf. Elijah just kept on declaring when all of Jezebel's prophets were a-preaching. Elijah just kept on following when all of the people of God said, don't follow where Elijah goes. Jeremiah just kept on warning as they put him in stocks, as they threw him in the pit. John just kept on staying near Jesus even when every other disciple had abandoned him. Peter just kept on preaching no matter how many times they had beat him. And Paul and Silas just kept on praying and singing when they were in prison all alone. Friends, I don't know where you're at in your walk with the Lord, but what I want you to know is this, that Jesus loves you and He died on the cross for you to take your sin and your shame and your punishment and your burden. He took it all. And He died and He was buried and He rose from the grave conquering sin and death. It doesn't matter if you're a Baptist or a Catholic or a Lutheran or a Methodist. There is one way to be saved and that is by repenting of your sins and calling upon the name of the Lord to be saved. Friends, if you're here today and you're saved, but Satan has convinced you that you have no value, no worth, no purpose, you need to know that God has not abandon you. If you are here this morning and you're saying, Jake, I'm growing in my faith, but I'm still struggling. Jake, I know God has a purpose for me, but I just don't know what it is. Look up here and remember, if you're weary, look to Him. Whatever you need, 
Wherever you're at, He is enough. But friends, you must make the choice to come to Him. He has done everything He can to make a way for you to be saved, to make a way for you to have comfort and peace. That's why Jesus said, it is better for you for me to leave and go to heaven because when I go, I am going to send the comforter, the one who can seal you, the one who can encourage you, the one who can convict you, the very Spirit of God who will live in you. And wherever you're at and whatever you're going through, He is enough. Father, today I come to You, Lord, again thankful for the wonderful opportunity to open Your Word. Lord, I, knew not, I know that I do not deserve it. Lord, I could not earn it. But Lord, I am so thankful that You love us. I'm so thankful, Lord, that you put these passages of Scripture in your word for us. Today, Lord, I have no idea what battles, burdens, and struggles that people are facing, but I know they're there. And Lord, I know that you know them. And Lord, the only thing that I ask is that your Spirit would show us, God, that we can be honest, that we can be broken, Lord, that we can be humble. And you will still love us. Lord, give this congregation not a spirit of self-righteousness, self-reliance, but Lord of true humility and dependence on you. Father, do whatever it takes to break our pride, our stubbornness, our arrogance, that we might truly fall on our faces before you. Lord, today I pray for that person in this place that's lost, doesn't matter, Lord, if they're, if they're a church member. doesn't matter if they've given more money than anyone else. doesn't matter if they've been baptized, Lord. Show them today that they're lost and they need you. Lord, help us to be a church that celebrates with them, that walks with them, that, Lord, will bear with them as they do what you've asked them to do. And so, God, during this time of invitation, I just pray that you would do amazing things, not because of a preacher, not because of a singer, but because of who you are, Lord, in this place. And so, Lord, again, I thank you, and I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.